At the recent State of the Union address, many members of Congress and even the President of the United States proudly wore I Love Abortion pins. They were unashamedly showing their love for the murder of innocent babies while they are still in their mother's wombs. How did we get to this condition where there is no regard for the sanctity of human life? It didn't happen overnight, and it wasn't without warnings. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. My name is Glenn Schultz, your host. Uh, You may be wondering what's wrong with my voice. Well, uh, pollen season has arrived a little bit early here in South Carolina, so I apologize for any raspiness that you might hear. You don't have to adjust your your, uh, computer or anything like that. it's, It's my voice. You know, the utter depravity of the human heart can be clearly seen by what we have witnessed in just the the past week. Think about it. We have seen a defenseless man beaten to death by five police officers. Uh, We've listened to the President of the United States declaring that he boldly supports a woman's right to an abortion. And, And I even read an account where more than 100 people were arrested in a prostitution and a sex trafficking scheme. And these are just to name a few things. What on earth is going on? Much of what we are witnessing today is largely the result of the total secularization of education that has taken place in our country over the past 100 years. What amazes me, however, is when I see this moral decay throughout society is how few Christians seem to be concerned about what is happening and why it is happening, and then they continue to send their children to secular anti-Christian schools. When I look back in history, I find that there were Christian leaders who saw what was taking place in our educational system, and they went ahead and raised many warning flags, but they seemed to be completely ignored. The bottom line is that we have raised a generation of young people who do not know God nor His Word. G. H. Clark understood the danger of ignoring God and His Word when it comes to the education of children. He wrote, and I quote, The school program that ignores God teaches its pupils to ignore God, and this is far from neutrality. It is the worst form of antagonism, for it judges God to be unimportant and irrelevant in human affairs. When God is ignored, then his word, the Bible, loses its authority and influence on human behavior. Benjamin Rush, one of our country founding fathers, wrote the following, and again I quote, The great enemy of the salvation of man, in my opinion, never invented a more effectual means of removing Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible in schools. My wish is not to see the Bible excluded from schools, but to see it used as a system of religion and morality. Christian educator Frank Gabeline understood the devastating consequences of putting children in schools where God and the Bible are ignored and eventually removed from the curriculum. He wrote, and again, here's a quote, Our culture has lost its way because God and the Bible have been removed from influence in our schools. The authority of the transcendent God of the universe has been replaced by a society who worships at the feet of man and his accomplishments. 
Now, you've got to remember, Gabeline wrote those words in the early 1950s. But what he was witnessing was predicted long before his time. In fact, Dr. A. A. Hodge was the principal of Princeton Seminary between 1878 and 1886. Now listen carefully to his clarion call to the church. I am as sure as I am of the fact of Christ's reign that a comprehensive and centralized system of national education separated from religion, as is now commonly proposed, will prove the most appalling engineery for the propagations of anti-Christian and atheistic unbelief and of anti-social, nihilistic, uh, ethics, social, and political, which this sin-rent world has ever seen. See, we're definitely living in an anti-Christian culture (laughs) that is permeated with atheistic unbelief. We can clearly see the living out of an antisocial, nihilistic ethics, both socially and politically. Now, I know that there are going to be those who push back against my belief that secular education is the fundamental cause of where we are as a country and as a church even. However, if you simply listen to what secular educators have said in the past, I believe you will have to agree with me that secular education in both public and private schools has played a major role in the moral decadence found in our society today. All we have to do is listen to what Horace Mann said back in 1837. Now, you've got to understand, Mann is widely viewed as the quote-unquote father of American public education. His intent was to establish a new religion with the state as its true church and education as its Messiah. Listen to his words. What the church has been for medieval men, the public school must become for democratic and rational man. God will be replaced by the concept of the public good. The common schools shall create a more far-seeing intelligence and a pure morality than has ever existed among communities of men. That, that is a off-the-wall statement for certain, that we're going to replace God by just some fictitious concept of the moral good. Paul Blanchard was an author, lawyer, secular humanist, who championed public schools as the most important factor leading us to a secular society. Listen to his words, written in the mid-1900s. He says, I think the most important factor leading us to a secular society has been the educational factor. Our schools may not teach Johnny to read properly, but the fact that Johnny is in school until he is 16 tends to lead towards the elimination of religious superstition. The average child now acquires a high school education, and this militates against Adam and Eve and all other myths of alleged history. Wow. He's saying that when you just go to high school, that is going to actually lead a military campaign against Adam and Eve, which he says are myths of alleged history. Dr. John Goodlin, writing for the National Education Agency in 1980s, argued this, Our goal is behavioral change. 
The majority of our youth still hold to the values of their parents, and if we do not recognize this pattern, if we do not re-socialize them to accept change, our society may decay. So here we see back in the 80s, there's an effort in secular education, primarily in public schools, to separate children from the values of their parents. In 1973, Harvard psychologist Dr. Chester Pierce, uh, who really focused on education, wrote the following. Every child in America entering school at the age of five is mentally ill because he comes to school with certain allegiances toward our founding fathers, toward elected officials, toward his parents, toward a belief in a supernatural being, toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you teachers to make all these sick children well by creating the international child of the future. Again, he, he sees that if a child comes into school and, and he has an allegiance towards uh, the, the good biblical beliefs of our founding fathers and, and, and toward his parents and toward a belief in a supernatural being that they're sick and, and we and teachers, you have to make them well by creating an international child of the future. Humanist John Dunphy uh, wrote an article for Humanist Magazine in 1983, and he makes another bold statement where he states, I am convinced that the battle for humankind's future must be waged and won in the public school classroom by teachers that correctly perceive their role as proselytizers of a new faith, a religion of humanity that recognizes and respects the spark of what theologians call divinity in every human being. The classroom must and will become an arena of conflict between the old and new. Now, what's the old and new? Listen, he says, the rotting corpse of Christianity, together with all its adjacent evils and misery, and the new faith of humanism, resplendent with the promise of a world in which the never-realized Christian ideal of love thy neighbor will finally be achieved. See, Secular education sees Christianity as something that needs to die and that it, is, uh, it, it brings with it adjacent evils and misery. The reality is that public or secular education has always had an agenda. The agenda was and is and will be the taking captive of young hearts and minds by the fa false philosophies and worldviews of this world. Now, this was made clear in 1967 when a man named Sam Lampert, uh, the NEA, National Education Association's executive secretary at the time, stated the goal and the vision of that organization with these dawning words. Here's what he wrote. The National Education Association will become a political power second to no other special interest group. We will organize this profession from top to bottom into logical, operational units that can move swiftly and effectively and with power unmatched by any other organized group in the nation. 
Now, I can go on and on, giving you an endless number of examples where secular educators have very openly stated their intent to shape the minds of young people in ways that go contrary to the truth of God's Word. And today, secular teachers and and leaders have ratcheted up their desire to groom kids, and I'm, I'm saying it correctly, groom kids through things like gender studies or radical ideas about our country's founding and just getting them into total group think. Now, these ideas that are being put forth to our children in schools, they're being supported by the media with companies such as Disney just announcing that they're going to produce a very dangerous children's program called Proud Family, Louder and Prouder, or at uh, a, a TV uh, awards program where uh, they they did a a uh, song that deified uh, Satan himself. See, the battle is going to intensify in the days, months, and years ahead, and it's time for Christians to act and get their kids out of secular, anti-Christian educational institutions. Now, now I know that's a bold and controversial statement to make. I also realize that there are strong and good Christian teachers and administrators trying to be salt and light in these dark places. However, keeping our kids in these secular educational programs has gotten us to where we are today. We can no longer continue to sacrifice our children and grandchildren to these havens of false ideologies. See, I believe it is also time for Christian schools to make sure that that. They're not just mere carbon copies of secular institutions. See, it's not good enough to simply try to Christianize a secular model of schooling. We have to build Christian schools on a biblical worldview and a biblical philosophy of education. And that's going to mean that we have to reshape some things and change some things in our Christian schools. Churches They must take a stand against the assault of secular education on our kids. Churches and church leaders, they've got to teach and train parents to understand their God-given responsibility to give their children a biblical education. And that means that parents have to understand it starts in the home and it's going to be supported by being involved in a good Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church. And it's got to, you know, God... God's truth has to permeate the school in which they enroll their children. Because of the dire need to restore individuals and empower parents, engage the church, and transform schools through kingdom education, I'm going to again this summer be conducting two kingdom education summits. See, I'm committed to train and equip Christian school leaders pastors, and other church leaders with a biblical worldview and a biblical philosophy of education. I I, I think we've got to take this concept that I refer to as kingdom education and and not just make it a mere buzz uh, term that we use because we're a Christian school and because maybe we read a book uh, with that title, but that we really build a kingdom-focused school. Uh, I my former pastor, Dr. Michael Catt, while I was there at Sherwood, was constantly challenging us on staff with this statement. And in fact, it's even a, a big a banner in the atrium of the church there at Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. 
It says, whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Unfortunately, the world and its educational system has wanted uh, our children and grandchildren in the past more than even Christians in the church has wanted them. But now it's time where we say, no, no more. The home and church and school, we're going to unite together and we're going to say, the world, you're not going to get our kids. And so we're going to give our children a Bible-based, a Christ-centered education, home, church, and school together. I, I encourage you to visit my website, which is simply kingdomeducationministries.com. That's kingdomeducationministries.com. And if you're with a Christian school and your school is is not already a, a KEM Prime member, I encourage the school uh, to, to enroll and become a member and take advantage of the resources that we're developing that you can send out to your parents and use to train your staffs. I, I'm asking all Christian school leaders and pastors to prayerfully consider attending one of this summer's Kingdom Education Summits. Now, you can find out more about these summits by, again, going on my website, kingdomeducationministries.com, and just click on the Kingdom Education Summit tab on my homepage. I want to see, and enrollment attendance is limited for these. These are not going to be real large events because we've got to do some real work and developing some strategies. So, I just encourage not not just Christian school leaders, but pastors and church leaders come together and let's see how do we unite and partner with the home to build godly young people. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And would you share it with other Christians? Encourage them to listen. In fact, on the next episode, I want to delve into a dangerous change that has taken place in schools, including Christian schools, over the past 50 or more years. I pray you will tune in to Kingdom Currents next week and learn about this dangerous change. I'm Alex Overall, media developer for Northwest Christian School, and I'm here to tell you about NCS's new Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com. 